Sikh we're going to learn today is one of the most powerful and one of the most shortest sikhas. Um And it's not just a uh, powerful as a uh, something in our service of Hashem. It's also powerful in defining what a large, very large section of Torah is all about. Let's go right to it. But just maybe one, one line of introduction. Um, people tend to think that big things are big and small things are small, and that's how we define things. And uh, here we'll see that there's a um, that there's a whole different baram, different um, yardstick that's used by the Abish. In the Torah in general, especially in the written Torah, every word and every letter is important. Every letter is considered before a letter is added or not. Therefore we find that many halachas are learned just from a few words or even from a few, few letters, even from one letter. We find even more that Rekiva was able to understand mounds and mounds of halachas from the crowns of the letters. On top of each letter in the Torah, these little uh, crowns, Rekiva was able to understand so many halachas just from the crowns of the letters. And yet we find a Pasha Yaakov Pekudeh repetition of what was discussed earlier on in the Pasha's Trumatitzave. Here we define the description again of the Mishkan and the clothing of the Kainim, which was already described in great detail in the Pasha's earlier. We have, we have many, many verses in this week's Torah portion which are a complete repetition of Truman Tetzave. What was What's going on? Today is the 23rd day of Adar, the day that the Mishkan was put up. There was a day that Hashem gave the commandment to Meshach Rabbeinu to build the Mishkan, and the day Hashem gave the commandment to Meshach Rabbeinu to, um, to create the garments for the Kainim. And this week, we read about how the Jewish people got together with Meshach Rabbeinu, and he told them what Hashem wants them to do. He told them what Hashem wants them to give. And they gave it, and they actually built it. That, that's what this parash is about. What I just said in two seconds, or maybe ten seconds, that's what the entire two Torah portions are about. They did it. So This could have been written very briefly, Jewish people actually built the tabernacle and they made all the vessels of the tabernacle and they also made all the clothing of the Canaan, as Hashem had told Mesha. And that, that way they could, the Torah could have avoided writing dozens and dozens of verses. There wouldn't have been a parish of Ayakil if the Torah would have done it that way. So what's, what's the point of repeating all of this information which we know already? The answer for this question is similar to an answer given to a similar question. In Parshas Nase, there's also a repetition 11 times in a row of the gifts that the leaders of each tribe gave to Hashem once the Mishkan was put up. 
first to give a gift to Hashem was tribe of Yehuda, Nachshim and from the tribe of Yehuda, gave a gift to Hashem on the first day of Nisan, which is a week from today. And uh, then every other leader, every other prince of every tribe gave exactly the same gift to Hashem. So instead of saying they all gave the same thing, the Torah says, and now the tribe of Yisachar, the leader of the tribe of Yisachar, his name was Nisan ben Suar. And Nisan ben Suar gave to Hashem and it doesn't say he gave what Nachshon gave. It says he gave this and he gave it, and it's exactly the same thing. So that's why Parshas Nasei is uh, one of the longest Parshas in the Torah, because it has this repetition uh, 11 times in a row of the gift of, of, of um, Nachshon and Nadav. So why does the Torah there as well repeat so many times something we know already? So Atshuvahi, Although they all brought the same items, they had some, each of them had something else in mind, and they all accomplished different things through their, through their gifts. Yes, Nachshon brought the same gift as Nisanel, but Nachshon's gift was given with different intent. He had the Yehuda perspective, because he came from the tribe of Yehuda, and because of his soul origin, his gifts that he gave to Hashem came from a different place and for a different reason than the gifts of, of, of uh, Nisan al-Mansur. They brought the same items, but they had different meaning and different impact. So in a similar way, we're going to see how, although it seems that the, the, this parasha is very similar to parasha Tumat Tzavah, it's actually very different, it has different meaning, and the Torah repeats this to give us a very powerful message. It's interesting, Stem, uh, my own... Uh, this sikh is actually repeated twice. <laughs> I think it's the only sikha which is repeated twice called the sikhas. It's printed in the Aisafas of Chelik Beis. It's printed in the Edendam um, of Volume 2 of Kutas Sikhas. I think it's also printed in Volume 3. It's also printed in the Griskadesh. Uh, you don't find the sikha repeated. It's also interesting, there's one word which is, which is not added, which we'll discuss maybe soon. Okay, so what's the point of repeating the whole story? Let's see. Possibly, this could also explain the question we have about these two parshas. Oops. Try to put the plug back in and restart this.
Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I had to put the plug back in. Okay. So, <clears throat> so what's the difference between Parshas Truman Tetzave and Parshas Yaakov Pekude? Why is there have to be repetition of the, the, of the entire Torah portion? So that was going to tell us there's a huge difference between the way the Torah describes the commandment to build the Mishkan and the actual building of the Mishkan. And there's a message. First of all, what is the distinction between the way Hashem tells Mesha to build the Mishkan and the way the Jewish people actually build the Mishkan? Think about it. Number one, Number one, it's God Himself who's talking in Pasha Tzumitetzava, and He's telling Mesha the Jewish people should build the Mishkan. Number two, who is He talking to? He's talking to Mesha Rabbeinu, He's talking to Mesha Rabbeinu. There's never been anyone like Mesha, as the Torah says. Number three, in Moshe Rabbeinu's life itself, Moshe Rabbeinu had an elevated time period when he was for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain. Moshe Rabbeinu ordinarily did eat and drink, but while he, was on, while he was on the mountain, he did not eat bread, he did not drink water. So Moshe Rabbeinu himself was in an elevated state getting this commandment. However, in this week's Torah portion, we're reading about the Jewish people here in this world building a tabernacle for, for Hashem out of their own physical silver and copper. So when Hashem spoke to Meish Rabbeinu, He said, "Let the Jewish people should build, let's say, an altar. As soon as He said that, a spiritual altar was created in heaven. Hashem said, let the Jewish people make the Chosh uh, Mishpat. As soon as He said that, there was a Chosh Mishpat in heaven. And Achish and Mishpat that Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu are, are inside, so to speak, right? that, 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 that they're connecting with. That's what's, this, that's what's happening in Pashas um, Tzava. God is saying to Moshe what should happen, and things are actually happening. This Torah portion talks about Jewish people here, Tom, Dick, and Harry, are going in their house, and they're going to find different stuff to bring to Hashem, and they actually bring it and they build it. So they're taking, we're talking about not a spiritual altar or a spiritual cheshem mishpat, a physical cheshem mishpat that's built by human beings here in this world. In this world. Despite the huge gap between the, between the spiritual potential mishkan and the actual physical one, when is God's desire fulfilled? And when does God's promise, I will dwell within them, become Realized, God doesn't really dwell in the spiritual Mishkan in the same way that He dwells in this one. He doesn't really want that spiritual holy Mishkan that He built in heaven. That's not where His full essence will be manifest, only in the one in this world that's built by Tom, Dick, and Harry. So that's it to repeat this whole, the whole description of the Mishkan once again to tell us. There's something that what we that we do here physically that's far more important and far more impactful and far more meaningful, that, although it seems far less meaningful. And it has a very powerful message for us. What's the message? A person might say to himself, might be down on himself and say, how is it possible? How is it possible? That I'm going to do something which is actually 
in sync with what God wants. I'm going to figure out what Hashem wants and I'm going to do something here, which is the desire of Hashem and Hashem going to rest in what I'm going to do here. I know who I am. Everyone knows who they are. And how is it possible that I'm going to do something and yet there's going to be exactly what Hashem wants and it's going to cause Hashem's presence to be manifest here. Especially considering the fact that we're, we're in the darkness of the Golas. Not just darkness of Golas, but it's called the doubled and quadruple darkness. And the Baal explains why is it called the quadruple darkness. Because you don't even realize you're in the dark. That's how dark it is. You think it's just like normal. And, and so in this huge confusion, and not just confusion that God made, but your own confusion, your own mistakes that you made in the past, how are you supposed to suddenly turn around and say to Hashem, I want to do something for you, and it's going to be something which is exactly what you want, and Hashem's presence will rest here in what I'm doing. How is that possible? So Hashem, what does Hashem answer us? Hashem promises you, as long as you do something with Nidiv Leif, what's Nidiv Leif mean? You do something with, it's a great translation, but it's, it's the, you can't translate this word. In the, in the original Yiddish, Rebbe says, you do something with a Yiddish, Chassidish, Varmkeit, and Lebedekeit. Do something with the Jewish and Hasidic warmth in life. Then God promises you that even though no matter what's happened till now, no matter what kind of darkness you're in, Hashem promises you that you will actually fulfill what He wants and Hashem will rest in what you're doing and you'll be successful in getting what Hashem wants done. So what the important ingredient apparently comes out is it doesn't matter how high and holy and spiritual what you're doing is. What matters is that you're doing something with the real Hasidic Shavar you really, really care. And then Hashem helps you get it right. On that note, um, I want to share with you, I know that I can't suspect uh, you guys of listening to my Mata Shabbos story, even though it was a really good one. Rosie Mirrell, I want to send my lap. Also, the story last, I didn't have Rosie Mirrell with me, which usually she gets to join the story. So now you get to have both the story and you get to have Rosie Mirrell in the story. So this, this, this actually, this story is from a mimer, the Friedrich Rebbe. Um, it's a very long story within, within the mimer. And uh, the Friedrich Rebbe, I'll tell you the whole mimer. Shrikab against Maimur and says like this. Says in the, we say in our prayers every day, there is great peace to those who love your Torah and they have no stumbling block. They never make mistakes. And the Friedrich says, there are those who, it's very peculiar that we're describing those who love the Torah. Torah is associated with the power of the soul, which is intellectual. And where does love come from, Rosie? From your heart. And yet, what's considered, what, how does the Torah describe those who are blessed by Hashem with this unique blessing? There's great peace to those who love the Torah. Those that loving the Torah is considered even greater than learning the Torah. And if you love the Torah, Hashem says there won't be any mistakes in you. You'll get everything right. So, to explain exactly what the the great quality of loving the Torah is, and why, what, how impactful it is, the uh, previous Rebbe brings the following verse. It says in the pasuk, "Toiv pas It's better to have dry bread. And peace in the, in the in the bread, than to have bias molizikhiriv, a house full of great food and argument. That's what Rashanda says. That's what the Pasuk says. So just like this is true physically, it's better to have a dry piece of bread that there's peace in it than to have a great all the delicacies when there's fighting. So too is this true spiritually. It's better to have a little bit of spirituality, a little bit of knowledge, and you're taking it seriously in your heart than to have lots and lots of knowledge and information without getting the um, Without, without uh, taking it to heart. 
So here is a um, story that the Friedrich Rebbe mentions in this Mimer, which really brings us home, especially as we're preparing for Pesach, really colors where you want to get to a night of the Seder. It's unbelievable. I heard this story a long time ago, and I hope I never forget it. Anyways, Zev, where'd you go? I want to see your face. So it says, Great peace is there to those who love your Torah, and they, do not, they don't have any st- stumbling block. If you learn Torah in a way with, with, where, where it's just, um, just intellectual, without the love, there will be mistakes. Like the following story, the Baal Shem Tev related in the first night of the Seder. Baal Shem Tev had two chassidim. One was, name was Remnasen Leventhalter, and he was in fabric. He lived in Brody. And he would always spend every spare moment learning Torah. And, but in his character, he was pretty unsophisticated, undeveloped. He was very into learning. He also was careful to mitzvahs beautifully. But, the, but in regards to his character, in regards to the way he treated other people, he would try to like, you know, get by with what he is obligated to do. He never would try to give in to other people. And he never had a Hasidic way of giving in to others. Instead, he would just do the bare minimum. And his whole devotion was only to studying Torah. But in his character, he was not involved in it at all. Very little. And Baal Shem Tov spoke to him about it. And he was unsuccessful. He stayed the same way he was. And that's how he educated his sons. His sons grew up to be the same way. They were very knowledgeable. Years passed, and, uh, but they also undeveloped in their character. There's another chassid, whose name was Rav Avram Blishenitzer. He was not so, well, very poor. And he didn't understand the Torah either. He understood only those books of Torah that were translated in Yiddish. And even those that were translated in Yiddish, it was also very difficult for him to follow as well. His davening, didn't understand his davening, his chumash, his tehillim, didn't really understand it. Uh, but he was, he was dedicated in his character to try to perfect his, his, his character to serve Hashem. And Hashem's Hashem students at that time, they weren't called Hasidim. The Alter was the first one to introduce the name Hasidim. Time of Hashem, they were called students or Mekusharim, those who were students of Hashem, those who were connected to Hashem. And they... Although these, uh, there were some students of Baal Shem Tev that had Ruach HaKesh, that divine inspiration, they could see things in the future. And they didn't question the Baal Shem Tev, but it bothered them. The Baal Shem Tev dedicated so much time to these simple people that would come to him. And the Baal Shem Tev would give two different kinds of teachings, teachings for the scholarly and teachings for the simple people. And the, even the scholarly ones would pay attention to the teachings that he gave to the simple people as well. They, they, they knew these are teachings of Baal Shem Tev, there's, 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 there's stuff inside. So, there was one Shabbos where both Reb Nassim Leventhalter and Reb Avramble Shnitzer were present. And that Shabbos, Baal Shem Tev gave a teaching on the following Pasuk. It says in the Pasuk, when you spread your hands out to me, I will hide my eyes from you. And even if you daven a lot, I won't listen because your hands are full of blood. So Baal Shem Tev explained, the two main ways of serving Hashem are serving Hashem with your mind in Torah study, and serving Hashem with your heart <coughs> in prayer. And if you have those two things with your heart and your mind, so then you're doing pretty good, and you'll be able to, to uh, do things properly. However, said the Baal Shem Tev, that if, if you don't feel another person, although you give stuck with a very broad hand, if you don't feel the person you're trying to help, the Baal Shem Tev says your hands are full of blood. If you don't, and that's the, and it's, it's murder. You know, if you might be giving, but you don't feel the need of the other person, it's, 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 it, there's a lack, there's a lack there. And that's what the Torah says, when you spread your hands out, spreading your hands out means you're giving a lot. But 
if you're still Hashem says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to you when you spread your hands out. Why not? Because your hands are full of blood, because a real way of serving Hashem is when you feel the other person. So, and even if you daven at length, you use your mind in davening at length, still, if you don't feel the other person, Hashem says, you'll daven a lot, I'm not going to listen. That was a teaching that Baal Shem Tov said, your hands are full of blood, your character, your hands, you're doing hands, you're using your hands to do good things, but it's full of blood, it's murder, because it's not done with a sense of feeling the other person. So that teaching was what he gave that Shabbos, and uh, each of these students of Baal Shem Tov took it their own way. Reb Nassim Leventhalter, who was an intellectual, he took this, and he, he analyzed the two ways of serving Hashem with your heart, with your mind, and that's what he focused on. Reb Avram understood only the last few words of Baal Shem Tov, that you don't feel other person, all you give them it's staka, a lot of staka, it's considered like, like murder. And he worked and he went home and didn't, he, he couldn't, it didn't, it gave him no rest, those words. And he worked on himself. And it's similar to what the Rebbe says about Mois um, Chitim, that in Ratzach Mois Chitim should be done in a way of Ratzivashuv. You should question that I give enough and go back and make another calculation. Ratzivashuv. And then, so he, these words of Al Shemtiv gave him no rest, didn't give him no rest because he's thinking I'm giving, but do I really feel the person, etc. And he worked on himself more than he did it before. And uh, the night of the Seder came by the Baal by Shemtiv. Night of the Seder, students who were by the Baal Shemtiv, were privileged to be at the Seder. And Baal Shem Tev told the students at the, at the Seder how special, Shem was in a very elated mood. And he told the students how precious it is to Hashem when people serve Hashem with, simple people serve Hashem with sincerity, and how precious and how, how much nachas Hashem has. Then Baal Shem said, put his two holy hands and the two students next to him, and they, and they all closed their eyes, and they all could see, for miles and miles away, the Seder, of Rabbi Avram Vilshenitze. Rabbi Avram and his table, very, not enough food really, not enough light really. There was only a very bare amount of food and there was very little light, the oil candles there. And there was a small room. And yet, there was a great joy in the family for to celebrate the Seder. Then he showed them the uh, Seder of Rabbi Nassim Avrodi. Nassim Brody is sitting with his family in a big room, and it's a loom, and it's full of light, and there's a table which is set with all kinds of delicacies, and yet, when the, the, everyone's sitting at the seder, they're all sitting there, angry at each other. They're all in the language of the Friedrich Rebbe. <coughs> they're all ungeblossom. They're all full of themselves. They're all not happy with each other. They're all angry at each other. I'll give you some cream. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Roshana took his hands off his students and they stopped singing. And Roshana said, this is the difference between someone who works on their character and someone who doesn't. When you work on yourself, said the Baal Shem, to listen, guys. Chamar, are you still there? It's an unbelievable thing that the Friedrich says in this moment. Okay, good. The Friedrich says, when you look, work on yourself, you see the good in others and everything another person does, you see the good in it. And automatically, you're always happy and you're always in a good mood because you see all the good in other people. And even if there's no food for Yontif, you're still very happy with the joy of Yontif. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk. It's better to have dry bread and peace in it. That means that there's not, you don't have that, you're, you're lacking in your service of Hashem in your heart and mind. But as long as you have the actual good character, so then 
that's a lot better than having full of information and full of Torah. And that's what Pasuk says, great peace is there to those who love your Torah, they have no stumbling block. That as long as you love the Torah, there's actually that the, the good character there, then you won't make mistakes. It's similar to what we just learned in the Sicha. Adarebbe says, if you do something with the Yiddish, Yiddish warmth, so Hashem will guide you to get the right things done. And then we continue in our prayers. What do we say? May there be peace in your moats, in your ramparts. And there should also be serenity in your mansions. What are those two blessings? Says the Rebbe, the blessing for the moat is referring to blessing in your livelihood, blessing in your panasa. And shalva menasayich, there should be also peace in your in your mansions. Means that when a home has has purity, taras mishpacha, and there's kosher food, and they have this sense of 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 good character. So then they have the blessing, not just not just of, they, they learn the Torah, but they love the Torah. Not only is there blessing their parnasa, there's also blessing of true tranquility in in the home, and there, and that home is a home where where um, the shchina can dwell, the shchina can dwell because. People are gathered there with the joy of mitzvahs and joy of each other. Anyways, that's the basic mimer. So that's, that's the whole mimer of the Friedrich Rebbe. And uh, it's, it's worthwhile learning it yourself and reading it inside. It's very powerful. It's called, it's in, it's in, it's called Hasidic Discourses in English. It's translations of the Friedrich Rebbe's Sefer Marim Yiddish. Very powerful mimer. Any questions or comments? Okay. A great day, Mechlamorda, Chavit Eberel, Great Rebbe Zev, Great Day, Dr. Resmer. Great day, David. Great day, Rosie.